If you're a fan of the Recruiting Future podcast, then you will absolutely love our newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast. Not only does it give you the inside track on what's coming up on the show, you can also find everything from book recommendations to insightful episodes from the archives and first access to new content that helps you to understand where our industry is heading. Sign up now and also get instant access to the recording of my recent webinar on the future of talent acquisition. Just go to recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. That's recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 526 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Effective technology is a critical pillar of any TA strategy. And with the current unprecedented pace of innovation, regularly reviewing the tech stack is essential to success. However, securing a budget for new technologies can be difficult with a challenging economic backdrop. So what can TA leaders do to ensure that they're making a compelling case for investment? My guest this week is Jeff Lackey, founder of JKL Advisors, former VP of Talent Acquisition at CVS Health and former Global Head of Resourcing at Rolls-Royce. Jeff has unmatched experience in developing TA tech stacks and has some invaluable advice to share on building successful business cases for investment. Hi, Jeff, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. And it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Well, thank you very much for having me on the show, Matt. My name is Jeff Lackey. My background is uh, currently I'm the uh, CEO and founder of JKL Advisors, LLC, but I'm also a podcast host for Growing Your Business with People, a podcast dedicated to business leaders to help them understand how to grow their business with the one and only asset that they really have any control over, which is their ability to influence people. So um, I also have a consulting firm that helps organizations uh, you know, throughout the United States and globally to help understand the intersection of uh, people and profit usually is found in purpose and helping uh, organizations identify ways to drive profit through uh, creating a better and, and more engaging environment for their people. So, uh, but actually some of my most fun work is, uh, is doing what you're doing right now, Matt, is, uh, is actually working uh, on the other side of the microphone and interviewing interesting people, which is always the question why people would ever want to talk to me because I don't find myself that interesting, quite frankly. <laughs> no, rest assured, you're very interesting. You've got, for a start, you've got a really interesting um, backstory. Tell us about the, your kind of experience in TA and the sort of things that you've done. Yeah, so uh, it's been phenomenal. I've uh, I've been truly blessed with the opportunity uh, to uh, you know starting out in executive search uh, it, whenever I was just in my twenties, 
and uh, being able to recruit CEOs and CFOs and, and even board uh, level recruits all the way up until, uh, you know, time with, uh, you know, with organizations such as Rolls-Royce and helping to implement talent acquisition and what they call resourcing uh, across the organization and in more than 70 different countries in, uh, in implementing uh, a couple different uh, TA solutions. And then jumping over to the, the little, uh, the little organization called CVS Health, a Fortune 12, the 12th largest organization at the time uh, in the United States, and uh, which grew over the course of seven years to a Fortune 4 healthcare organization, uh, and where we put in place over 37 different technologies uh, for to support the uh, the acquisition of, of talent within uh, within the organization, which is which is uh, actually a little bit mind blowing because I never planned on putting in a, a total of 38 technologies, uh, 37 new ones, and, and one that was already in existence during my time. Uh, but we certainly evolved and learned from all of those. So uh, so I've really had a great opportunity to uh, recruit in over 70 countries. And uh, my teams have hired over over one million people in total. Wow! Coming back to that that bit about technology, because I think that's really interesting. Because we're we're at this incredibly dynamic time at the moment, where the pace of development and change in technology is phenomenal. You know, new products are launching all the time. You know, I know that there are lots of heads of TA out there looking, if they're not looking at the market in confusion, they're looking internally to wonder how they can get this technology to work within their organization or even get buy-in to, you know, update the technology that they they have. In your role of doing this, what kind of framework did you use to bring in those new technologies? You give me the credit of actually having a framework here there, uh, you know, Matt. No, uh, in, in all honesty, I, we did have um, a few things that we did put in place. So first off, we understood as an organization how uh, talent acquisition created value for the organization. And that was actually fundamental. We, uh, we helped our leaders hire great people. And we were really clear about that. And we broke that down to begin with. And within that, we made sure that whatever whatever talent acquisition system or process or new way of working that we put in, we would we would put it up against that framework and those guiding principles, and and say, does this actually enhance or uh, our ability to to achieve our purpose and to be able to work uh, to affect those guiding principles? And so that actually helped us rule out different technologies, or sometimes it helped us to pick the most impactful of all the technologies that you have in front because you literally have hundreds of thousands of opportunities. It, 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 is a, it can be overwhelming. The next thing we did was you have to be willing to experiment, right? And so you have to get the, in our case, we got the trust of business leaders who were willing to make, I treated our, our business leaders almost like an internal private equity. And they would give money toward things that they would want to do or achieve within the organization that, um, you know, so say some of them would want a more advanced selection uh, for data analytics and and scientific professionals, uh, data science professionals. Okay, well, we could we could go down that road. Um, Maybe another one was looking at um, is using uh, AI to help uh, and, and a candidate concierge to drive the retail sector, which had literally tens of millions of candidates applying and being able to narrow, get them into that funnel and get them through a process in, in, in literally hours uh, rather than weeks or months. 
but you had to go with your client and allow them to pull in uh, and be able to invest in your in the in the uh, technology that maybe you didn't necessarily have all the budget money set aside for you know in that given year because there's no way we all know how the budget cycles run. You have to budget almost 18 months prior to anything. And the world, as we well know, with the pandemic and everything else can change in 18 months. So you have to be, as a talent acquisition professional leader, be willing to create an agile space that you uh, and, and a place for funding within your business that allows you to experiment and try things out and, and work with leaders in a very honest and open way to say that, we're gonna we're gonna experiment with this, and there is a possibility of failure. But with that failure, will be the success of learning, and then we're gonna agilely adapt and, and maneuver. So, in many cases across all the different technologies, I'd say that more than three quarters of them were inspired by the client side of the organization who wanted to achieve something, and then we came back to them and we said, "Here's." Here's a solution that can fit within our organization's tech stack that actually aligns really nicely with the tech stack, but that we can try out and potentially even try out independent of the tech stack while we experiment with it. And, and I tell people, I say, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't, don't just buy the whole thing right off the get-go because that often takes way too long and the world will change while you're in the middle of implementing it in that two to three years that it takes to implement something from zero to like 120. Take the time to experiment and do small batch and pilots and let that get give you the impetus and the learning to get left off. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. I think that one of the, you know, one of the issues that we've had in our sector for a really long time is those incredibly long implementations and and very often putting you know products and features in that that no one's no one's ever going to use because the world has changed so much since the project started drilling into that bit about about leadership there and building kind of flexible agile budgets and getting permission to fail as it were how do you do that how do you get that leadership buy-in for working in this kind of way it's, it's interesting because you can't go around uh, with a hammer believing everything is a nail. So you don't go in with all your favorite toys and technology and say, and spread them out on the table and say, hey, you know, I got all these cool things and gadgets and gizmos. What do you want to use? Right. That is the best way to turn off a leader because then the leader is scared because they are like, I don't know what these things are. I don't know how they work. And I am not ready to buy off on somebody else's idea. The way I would approach it was more from a position of curiosity. Tell me about your, tell me about how your business is successful, how it makes money, define success for me. What are the major challenges that your business is facing? And let's dig in and understand and, and start really root causing where those things, where those failures or where those uh, risks exist. And where does talent lie on the spectrum of things that we can solve for? What parts of these equations are things that the HR or talent or talent acquisition team can help you solve for? And as I would as I would go through those conversations, it'd be very organic. They'd be very natural. Be like, hey, tell me about it. What are you going to? As they would tell me about it, I would reflect back to them and I would and I would dig in and try and I would try to understand better what it is that. Uh, 
that they're facing into. What inevitably would come to a place would be that leader would say, you know, I would just, if I could just have somebody who could help me solve for this, you know, I would give their weight in gold to be able to do that because that, and then you allow the leader to describe how financially, you know, or what is the business case for that? Like, why does that actually matter? Because sometimes it's the, They'll just say, well, it's just a pain, you know, a pain in my side. And you're like, okay, well, that's great. But, you know, the business doesn't make money by resolving pains in people's sides, right? The, the business has to make money by doing other things. So tell me in a business perspective, why is this critical? As they unpack that, they often will say something like, I would be willing to, you know, I would be willing to give 1% or 5% or 10% of that you know, toward a strategy that would solve that. And I'd be like, well, if I came to you and came and, and, and one of those strategies was actually just one half of 1% of those things, would you be interested in trialing it? Because I couldn't tell you that it's an absolute surety that it's a winner, but I, but I could give you the reasons why we could, we could uh, you know, we, we could make it more likely to be successful. And it's a very honest conversation. And then they would often go away because usually the investment's way less than what they anticipate. And then they'd go away and they'd say, yeah, I, I would definitely be interested. And then you and you bring them on the journey. You start with the, where their need is and where the business driver's at. You turn it into something that is financial and help understand what the impact is. So again, let me give you an example. One of my clients and I won't describe exactly who, but this organization was a medical services organization and their ability to drive drive um, the service, their short staff, the number of recs that were open was creating a, up to a $20 million EBIT impact. And so what did we talk about? We said, actually, the fact is that your employee value proposition that you have is not being clearly articulated by your by your recruitment or your marketing organization, but it actually has perfect resonance with the market. We're just not telling the story. And so they were offering $25,000 signing bonuses. And what I did was I did some advertising side-by-sides and, and gave $25,000 signing bonus versus this new employee value proposition that is a, a very true reflection of who they were and of who they aspired to be. And it was a two to one ratio, 200% more people clicked on the one that was about the EVP than, than, and they passed over the $25,000 signing bonus, which then led us to be able to double down on that investment and say, we're going to collect a lot more resumes. And we, and we increased the hiring by significant vast, great significance, such that it was closing a large portion of that gap, which, uh, which actually resulted in, a, in nearly a $20 million EBITDA impact for the organization, just because we went back into the root cause and discovered that, you know, one, the number of openings is a problem. We know that. Two, we actually have a solution at hand that we can work, work with. And then three, we, uh, you know, we need to 
articulate with the business leaders and have them amplify that new employee value proposition, not just in the advertising, but throughout the interview and selection process. So we have a higher capture rate. It was so phenomenal. And that, and that occurred over the course of like 60 to 90 days. You know, it's not, it's not impossible to do those things if you come in it, come at it with an open mind. And, and guess what? In this case, it wasn't a huge investment in technology. It was a thinking differently about our about your go to market strategy and your and your uh, and your thinking about the market itself, and then it can be enhanced with that technology to drive more efficiency and effectiveness and be able to get the outreach back out to the market. A quick message from our sponsor Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W O N O L O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. I think this is incredibly important. And I think sometimes people struggle sometimes with the, the nuances of it. Can you sort of give us some other examples of, I don't know, some specific common TA challenges that, that people might have and how they could be mapped over to a broader business value? Sure. So, for example, one of the things that we uh, struggled with was the fact that during the pandemic, uh, when I was working uh, at CVS Health, uh, we 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 uh, we really jacked together the um, the hiring process for retail, such that we were able to make hires in as little as one to two business days. Uh, in theory, not all, not every single hire was made in one to two, but for the retail, you could do it in as little as just a few business days, right? What we had to do is. Uh, we we actually short circuited it so efficiently that um, that we found that we lost the candidates in the process. We were making offers and sending them into their inbox, and the candidates weren't even knowing that they had an offer in the inbox because we were moving so fast. So uh, so we actually worked with uh, with Paradox, which was uh, one of our partners. I was an early partner with Paradox that, and they specifically built out a candidate concierge that allowed us every time we made an offer for this chatbot uh, text message to go out into that individual and let them know, hey, congratulations, you need to check your inbox. We couldn't do it yet through through text. We weren't that advanced with some of the other technology. But we were, hey, go check your inbox. If you don't see it there, look in your spam. If you don't see it there, come back to us and this is how you contact us because you should be seeing an offer in your inbox right now. 
and please go in and here's your next steps. And then it would walk them through the different stages and steps of not just accepting the offer, but going through the background checks, any drug, if there's drug screenings or other testing, medical testing that was required for being in a healthcare environment. All of those things were in there that concierge uh, took them all the way through to start, right? And that was super important. We had to develop that as a, as a secondary. So don't think we were like all seeing and all knowing, you know, sometimes whenever you, whenever you jump and you, and you create something, it creates another layer of problems for you that you have to be ready and willing to address and solve. And that's what it did. Our, 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 our con condensation of our, uh, of our process was great, but it's not good if it leaves the candidates without knowing that they even have an offer. <laughs> kind of misses the purpose. That's really interesting, you know, especially in terms of those kind of those, those secondary issues to solve. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very strange time at the moment for for lots of ta leaders you know there are talent shortages there are budget cuts there are layoffs there are huge leap forwards in technology all, all just kind of happening at the all kind of happening at the same time what's your advice to ta leaders at the moment in terms of dealing with the the, the sort of the market that's in front of them there's three things that i'm going to tell you as a ta leader uh with uh, nearly 30 years worth of experience and if i was on on uh on camera, you'd be able to see all the white hair, right? Uh, so, so the first is is that is that remember that your brand lasts a lot longer than you anticipate. So make sure that even during the downturns of an economy, that you create creating a great candidate experience is exceptionally important. And the number one way to create a great candidate experience is by creating a great employee experience for both your recruiting team and also for the leaders of your business to make sure for their uh, for their employees. So that is that's rule number 1. Take care, you know, if you have your team's back, then they don't have to worry about having their own back and they can focus entirely on delivering great service to your customer. And that's it. and that ties straight into your long-term brand because they will they will enhance that. Rule number two is that you know whenever you have difficult times, whenever there's a lot of recruiters who are looking for work right now and looking for jobs, this is the time to to harvest great talent. You know, so this is the time to collect if you have that opportunity. If you're one of the, the employers who is still hiring, this is a great time to great to to do that. But also. Don't forget that TA people have a very long memory of how they were treated. So this goes back to rule number one, especially take care of the, the interaction with, uh, with those folks, those folks within your industry, put something special around to make sure that you protect that because uh, for better or for worse, they talk louder than almost anybody out there and they will tell everybody about it. And I, and I give you a good reason. If you're in the retail or other sector, uh, if you have uh, something that is a, a business where consumers actually purchase it, if they have a negative experience, they're between, research will tell you, they're between 40 and 80% more likely to abandon the brand than somebody who has a at least a neutral to positive experience. So that's a huge impact. And then the last thing I tell you is that is that um, go in without making 
I would not make huge, large commitments that are multi-year commitments right now. I would go in with a growth mindset and very nimble mindset and make, uh, and make agile commitments against a bold strategy. So your strategy can be multi-year. It can be thoughtful and have an end goal of where you want to go. But the, but the stuff that you do to get there, um, don't try to put all your eggs in one basket. Many a TA leader has fallen no, you know, thinking that this will be the thing that is the that will dig them out of the hole. And, and inevitably, no matter what, you know, air quotes, this is, it never is whenever it's that big. You have to, your, your changes are usually many incremental and agile changes that you learn and grow and that your team implements very nimbly. And then, uh, and some of them get canceled. They say, no, that didn't work. We're moving on to the next one. Others say it's worth keeping, just uh, we need to learn and adjust for it. Yeah, and so the first two are really how you treat people. And then the, then the last one is really about how you, uh, how, think, how you think about executing your strategy. So final question for you. It's impossible to predict the future, as we've learned very clearly from the last the few years. But I'm interested in terms of your thoughts of, of how TA might evolve over the next few years. And, you know, what, what do you think TA is going to look like in the future? I'll be very clear. Uh, I am a, I'm a terrible forecaster of the future, but I will tell you this. TA will become, it already has become, but it will become a more essential business partner to the business than it ever has in the past. Because the talent shortages, the macroeconomics, even though the microeconomics of today may see a lot of TA folks uh, you know, without jobs or potentially in transition or what have you, the macroeconomics are clear. There's way more jobs than there are people available. And even with the advancement of AI, that at the very least will, that, that at the best will level the playing field, it certainly is not going to erase all of the all of the, um, uh, the 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 debt that's out there in terms of the difference between jobs and people. And what I would tell you as a as a leader is be prepared. Don't just overinvest yourself in Chat GPT and the next. You know, learn about those things, grow with them. But also stay curious about other solutions that you think that are uh, that are coming up on the horizon. Be willing to experiment agilely with them. Uh, and as we, so for example, whenever I was at CVS Health, the way we put in thirty-seven different technologies is I didn't come up with thirty-seven ideas of different technologies that we should come up with. I allowed my team to go out and gave them the. I, I, I asked them to meet with vendors and to talk with people and to understand what are the what's the art of the possible in the marketplace and understand that and then listen loudly to their customer bases as to what they needed. So what they did, they brought these technologies back and then we created a clearinghouse uh, amongst the project management organization and the leadership team to figure out which of these technologies made the most sense for us to execute. And then we did so with, with, uh, with as much speed and agility as a Fortune 4 organization can. Uh, most people felt like they were getting whiplash that so, so much was happening so fast. Um, but that's, that's what, you know, stay agile. And, the, and, and then lastly is 
is and stay in tune with their business and then have fun with this because there is so much fun to be had leading talent acquisition in this market. If, if you and your team are not having fun, you, you're doing something wrong and flip this, flip the script somehow and make sure that you and your team are actually enjoying what you do. Jeff, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much, Matt. It's been a pleasure. My thanks to Jeff. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. We'll